If there are any spirits here, can they please make themselves known to us? Not hearing anything from the spirits. They must be cool with this then. It might be because you're using a coffee cup. Shh, don't spoil the illusion. <laughs> Run the entrance music. Good evening, boils and ghouls and all foolish mortals, and welcome to the very first episode of All Things Dark and Distasteful. Um, just so you too long didn't listen to the primary episode of the podcast, it was only about 15 minutes. Come on, what's wrong with you? Um, basically, this is a podcast where I'm going to be having a series of guests, and we are going to be talking about all manner of things dark and distasteful, because I have been fascinated with that area of the world my entire life. Um, are you ready to begin? Yes? No? Maybe I don't know, could you repeat the question, is sadly not an option on the Ouija board. So, we are going to be pulling back the eerie flowing curtain to the other side, looking at an iconic piece of paranormal paraphernalia, because alliteration is effective. A way of communicating with the dead, or a complete shrieking sham. Or possibly even a dangerous portal for evil to rip through into our reality. The only way we can find out is to use our podcast planchette, and I promise I'll stop using words beginning with P eventually. And uh, we're going to explore the history of the potentially most horrifying board game since Buckaroo, the Ouija board. Now, before we begin, I just want to give a massive thanks to Turbo Soul for his song Abyss, which is symphonic black metal that you would have heard at the start. We'll send links, obviously, to his SoundCloud page right at the end, but I thoroughly recommend you check all his stuff out. And if you are looking to have music for any project of any kind, just message him. He's a super lovely guy and a lot of his songs are for free. And also our demonic disclaimer, no one for the time being who appears on any of these episodes is an expert in anything that we are looking at. We're just going to be two people or sometimes more just having a chat about something that we find interesting, creepy, dark and distasteful. And also just as a heads up for a sort of trigger warning before we begin the episode, obviously we'll be focusing on the strange, bizarre, supernatural and possibly demonic links to the history of, uses of and chilling tales of the dangers of using a Ouija board. But fortunately, as they say, you should not play this game on your own. And I'm not alone on this quest. It's not just me babbling into the middle of the air or talking to spirits that may or may not be there. I am ready to explore this terrifying tablet of potential doom, joined by my long-suffering girlfriend and co-host of Sitkand, Emmy Bashforth. Yay! Woo! You can tell how excited I am to talk about Ouija boards. Well, <laughs> well, we'll get to why I specifically chose Ouija board and why this is called the episode is called hashtag Get Ollie a Ouija board. Oh, hi, I'm Ollie Ryder, by the way. Just in case I hadn't mentioned that already. So, Emmy, one question I'm going to be asking everybody who appears on this podcast: Do you believe in the supernatural? Yes, mm -hmm. I do. But I am of the opinion that if you leave them alone, hopefully they will leave you alone, and that's how I'd like to keep it. Fair enough. And have you had, is that opinion swayed by any um, belief system or have you had any supernatural experiences? No, but I 
I've watched a lot of YouTube videos of people that have, and that makes me believe it. I'm also quite, like, gullible, and <laughs> I will believe anything that you tell me, so that's probably why I believe it. But it's you only ever really see things when people go out looking for it. Mm. So that's why I think if you leave them alone, they won't bother you either. Annoyingly, I always have kind of the opposite. I think it's because I'm so desperate to see something. They're like, oh, he's like some creepy fanboy of ghosts and they yeah. like, cover their eyes and try and hide Let's away. Let's not give him what he wants. No, exactly. <laughs> um, so why, of all the possible topics that I could have chosen, have I started with the Ouija board? And it's, this is called hashtag get Ollie Ouija board because my lovely friends, including Emmy and Eddie of Sitcan fame and India also of Sitcan famed, they got a silly little hashtag together that said get, hashtag get Ollie a switch. And for my 30th birthday last year, they did get me a switch. And I was very grateful. And so I sort of maliciously reworked that into hashtag get Ollie a Ouija board. Why would I do that, Emmy? Because it's something that will never happen. Why? you live with me, because I'm not having that in our flat. But why? Because it's just inviting bad things in. Okay. What's your main worry? That you're inviting bad things in. But what what, what could they do? They could kill you. Really? Or me. Or Pumpkin. Well, fair What enough. if Pumpkin got possessed because you brought a Ouija board into this flat? I don't know. He might meow a bit less. And he'd, fe- he'd feast on souls rather than try- constantly trying to get into the Yes, probably our souls. <laughs> no, but then who would feed him? I know he doesn't need to because he eats souls. I just destroyed my own argument there. Never mind. Pumpkin is our cat, by the way, whose picture you will have seen very fetchingly on the logo, which will be up by then for Sitcam, which was done by the lovely Katrina Hajawicz. Please go and look at all her stuff on Etsy. But one little sort of area of debate that I think we both have is you're fine with Ouija boards, but not, but uh, sorry, you're not, you're completely against Ouija boards, but tarot is okay. It's different. Okay, how so? What to know, they're just cards, aren't they? I'm not really... You're just picking a card. Yes, but isn't the whole emphasis on tarot that it's sort of informed by the spirits? What's going to happen? I don't really know that much about it, to be honest. Well, I mean, that's another episode we're well, going to have to do in Well, I future. think that, from my point of view at least, tarot is more good spirits, mm-hmm. whereas Ouija boards, you're, like, contacting spirits that probably don't really want to be contacted and as soon as they get the chance to be in contact they just do bad shit okay so when they see that ouija board entering the flat they'll be like ah (laughs) my time has come when did you first hear about a ouija board like can you recall when was the first time you ever discovered about it and did that maybe have an influence on you know you being a little bit nervous (laughs) about the concept of one i don't know when but it would have been like in movies Mm -hmm. And I, you know how I'm not scared? So I'm not scared of, like, any movies now. Nothing gets me anymore, does it? Don't worry, guys. We've got a whole podcast to try and find the <laughs> one thing that breaks her. But I used to be really scared. Like, Paranormal Activity. Mm-hmm. I know you hate it. But there, but there is a Ouija board in that, isn't Maybe there? that's it. But yeah. Paranormal Activity used to scare the shit out of me, like most things did. And I don't understand why now, all of a sudden, it doesn't. But I think maybe that's why. Because I was so scared. Strong, independent woman. I am now. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll get to where I first learned of a Ouija board a little bit later on because it plays a huge role in the legacy of the Ouija board in public consciousness. I also asked if you ever seen one, like physically in front of you. No, I don't think so. Because the only time I've seen one that was comparable to a Ouija board was when we were in Manchester in Affleck's Palace. I was going to say, unless there was one there. I couldn't remember. Was it an actual Ouija board? I'm not entirely sure. It was far too pleasant looking to be it was sort of white it had pictures of fairies on it yeah i, I don't think it was a real had, Ouija board. like decorative things but yeah. i didn't know if it was a real one but that's probably the closest i've ever been hmm. 
All right then, we're going to be breaking this down sort of into three sections. We're going to look at the history of the Ouija board. We're going to look at some true, not true stories about use of a Ouija board going wrong. And then we're going to be looking into, well, how does the Ouija board actually work? Okay, I'm not talking about sitting with your group of friends and putting your fingers on the triangular planchette and then spelling out letters, which if you're not familiar with the Ouija board, that is how it works. But the actual, possibly maybe the science behind it and something that may alleviate yours and possibly other people's listeners' fears to how a Ouija board actually works. But we'll get into it. So in February of 1891, some adverts started appearing in newspapers all across America advertising Ouija, the wonderful talking board. I know these were in a newspaper, but I can just imagine a radio person announcing <laughs> it like that. They described it as a device that can answer questions about the past, present, and future with marvellous accuracy. Never failing amusement and recreation for all the classes. Which is interesting that they kind of mentioned that, that <laughs> the class system involved of how much you can enjoy a Ouija board. Yeah, that's really weird. Or not. <laughs> oh, just, sorry to interrupt. No, go. Just going back to a question that you asked me between the difference between Ouija and, did I say that right? Yeah. Ouija. Ouija. Ouija, Ouija, Ouija. As long as it's not Luigi. <laughs> The difference between that and tarot, but tarot doesn't have demons involved, I'd just like to point out. Okay. Continue. <laughs> a link between the known and unknown, the material and immaterial, interesting and mysterious, and, and this is going to be important for later, as proven at the patent office before it was allowed. That's something that's going to be very important. Hmm. And it was only $1.50, which is uh, not a bad price, I think. How Probably much? a bit more in infl inflation now. How much do you value your life? £1.50 worth. <laughs> that's, not, that's not much, to be fair. Well, clearly, if you buy a Ouija board. Mm. The actual design of the Ouija board hasn't really changed very much in the entire time it's existed. It's a flat board, letters of the alphabet, two semicircles, and above the numbers 0 through to 9. The words yes and no on the left and right corners. And right at the bottom, goodbye, which is obviously very important if you want to sever the connection and the planchette which is a sort of i said a triangle earlier they come in you know various shapes but the predominant one is a sort of teardrop i think which is better with a small window that you look through because that's the thing that you look through to spell the letters and the only difference more recently which i think is quite interesting is that originally in the ones that it was released with it was a plastic planchette but now they tend to look a lot fancier they could be made of stone or really nice mm. po polished wood but I think the really astonishing thing is with, you know, as you were saying, that Ouija, we assimilate with sort of the occult and all dark things like that. But it's relatively recent in the grand scheme of mm. things that only you know, very, very late 1800s, more 1900s, if anything else. So about just over a thousand years old. And yet it has this sort of historical power that people tend to think that it's obviously something that's a lot older. And... A very interesting fact that I did not know and formed the basis of one of the questions I asked recently in a quiz that we were doing with our friends because we're all on lockdown at the minute and we've got nothing else better to do mm. except maybe do a podcast. So the makers of the board actually asked what they should call it and it gave them an answer. Ouija. But did it give them an answer? Well, this is, this is the thing. And when they asked what it meant, and this is a bit I didn't know, the board replied, good luck. How, how do you feel about that? How many makers were there? There were about five or four, four or five men who originally created it. One of them was moving it. Possibly. Well, we'll look more into that in See, a little bit. See, I think this is the thing. I believe it, but then I also have to tell myself that someone else is moving it so that I leave it less. A lot of the research and facts that I found today are from a Ouija historian, imagine that job, called Robert Munch. 
and he's been researching okay. it since 1992. And this, a lot of the facts that I found as well, they come from the Smithsonian website, which is obviously the after the very famous museum in America. And it's got lots of interesting stuff on it, not just the boring history, if you think history is boring, or the dark and creepy things as well, because that's how I found it. Now, so where it originally came from is... And this wasn't just limited to America, but was the 19th century the obsession with the movement called spiritualism, which was sort of the belief that the dead could communicate through the living. That's where you would have got your mediums from, your seances, things like this. All things that sort of did predate the Ouija board and probably most iconically represented in America by the Fox sisters. I don't know, obviously, law is a huge po- uh, influence on this podcast, by the way, so if I reference it a few times, you should definitely go and check it out. Uh, they were two very young girls who... They had whole theatres full of people who believed that they were able to contact the spirits through them as mediums, speaking through them. But again, this was without before the Ouija board came into existence. And also, very famously, Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote um, Sherlock Holmes, was big on his spiritualism even in fact one thing i saw in a documentary not so long ago was a recording of it was just after he had died and the spiritualists had a big gathering in a london theater and there there was you know you determine it how you want but there was a very creepy voice that was recorded and echoed across the theater that sounded like arthur conan doyle Mm. you know just saying just trying to plant the seeds of doubt Mm -hmm. in your head and hopefully to the listener as well But people are probably wondering if you don't know that much about spiritualism, and again, definitely another thing that we're going to be looking into later. Like, why would people want to do something like that? Because in the modern era, I think most people would consider the desire to talk to dead people quite strange. Yeah. And as you say, dangerous as well, because you don't know for definite whether you are talking to people. It was largely because at, at the time in America, the average lifespan was less than 50. So there were a lot of people in grief There was... People dying in childbirth, disease, and the war. Even Mary Todd Lincoln, wife of the president, uh, she conducted seances in the White House after their son died. Really? Yeah, so, wow. you know, not just all the modern horrible stuff that's going down there currently at the minute. There's also creepy things <laughs> and immoral things that have happened in the White House before. So there you go. I'm sure, the, I'm sure the White House has more than its share of skeletons in the closet as well, but we're not going to go into that. Except for when Obama was there. No skeletons in that closet. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Although not, we want to get political. There's a few subscribers lost right there, isn't it? (laughs) Boo, bye-bye. We don't want you anyway. See ya. Thank you, next. A problem with spiritualism before the Ouija board came along was the fact that it tended to be, you you know, you've seen in films and books and things like that, where it's the sort of series of knocks on the wall. Yeah. Or, again, the person speaking through the medium and whether or not you can determine that was a real person or not. And people were just getting, they were getting quite frustrated because they thought this is taking forever. And a lot of the time it was gibberish and they didn't really get what they would consider solid answers. So people were desperate to find a way that would be quicker and probably more tangible that you could see happening right in front of you rather than just knocks, which anybody could fake. So lots of people had this idea, but it was a man called Kennard Novelty Company or oh, sorry, the company was called Kellogg Novel Company that really grabbed the idea and created what we would know as the Ouija board today. And Charles Kennard, who was the man who spearheaded it from Baltimore, Maryland, he pulled together a group of four other investors, including Elijah Bond, Colonel Washington Bowie, not any relation, I don't think, to start the Kennard Novelty Company to exclusively, and this is quite important, make and market these new talking boards. And one thing that is quite interesting, you don't tend to see knockoff Ouija boards like with almost every other board game because it is 
technically considered a board game. This is almost like the Ouija board is the Jaffa Cakes of board games. Because there are people saying, well, it's not a board game, is it? Because it's a way of contacting the dead. Where there are people saying, well, yeah, it is, because you play it on a board, don't you? And maybe it is just a game, maybe so it isn't. what you're saying is a Ouija board is a cake. No, I'm saying we, no, we're not going to go... <laughs> Not going to go down that road, because I think we've already pissed off enough people as it is. <laughs> so, but the really interesting thing is, considering the craze at the time and the motivation that these men had, none of them were spiritualists. This was not a, let's help people possibly communicate with their dead relatives. This was all money. They, they saw a niche and they, they went for it. And, you know, to be fair, who can blame them? This was something unique and original, and they got there first in terms of trademarking it. Now, earlier you will have heard and Emmy's face, and I'm sure yours probably did too, dear listener, had the mocking scowl of cynicism about the board naming itself. Well, here is here is a thing that will definitely pour cold water onto that. That one of the creators, Peters, he acknowledged that his wife, who they, when they, whilst they were initially trying to, get, when they were asking the board to give it a name, and it said Ouija, his wife was wearing a locket bearing the picture of a woman with the name Ouija above her head. So potentially whoever was moving the planchette around, if they were indeed moving the planchette around, they just copied that. But isn't there like one of those things, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, where it's like like you're self-consciously doing it and maybe they were all doing it and because she had that on there, they mm-hmm. just, without realising, followed that pattern and it wasn't a spirit at all, it was mm-hmm. just them doing it. Or possibly another thing that could have happened is the woman in the locket was the famous author and popular women's rights activist, Ouija. That's Ouija. And Peter has admitted that Ouija was just a misreading of it. So maybe whoever was whoever was moving the planchettes, whether that be man or spirit, just read it wrong. So, yeah, but already, you see, and one thing that... Obviously, we want to talk about things that are creepy and maybe creepy out, but we don't want to traumatise anybody with this. And in fact, for most of this, you could argue that when, you know, I'm putting out a lot of um, fires of conspiracies with about how the Ouija board actually works and whether or not it should still be considered a paranormal entity or not anymore. I just find it interesting that it started out as a board game Mm. and they like were advertised. So when they advertised it as like, oh, talking board, Mm. Was it meant for you to use to talk to spirits? Yeah. But you can't just create a board and be like, oh, we can use this to talk to spirits. I think the thing is, from the time when spiritualism was a, you know, the big, it was huge. It was almost like a new religion, basically, is the best way to describe it. And with all the number of people who were dying at such a premature age, I think pe- it was definitely a time when people were less cynical we do live in a very cynical age even though you do look at people like david Ackerer and people like that who they still have fairly popular tours when they go to theaters and there are people who but it's something that we're going to get into a little bit later about is it genuinely something spiritual or is it our desperate desire to believe in something mm-hmm. from beyond but yeah we'll cover that later absolutely now the interesting thing of why they were advertising why it made it patent, why it's made its patent so profoundly, because the chief patent officer, he demanded a demonstration before he would say, yes, you can tagline this Ouija board and you can go and sell it. If the board could accurately spell out his name, he said, which was supposed to be, and this is the key bit, unknown to Bond and Peters, he would allow the patent to go through. 
So they sat down, they communed with the spirits, air quotes or not, and the planchette faithfully spelled out his name. Yeah, but anyone could have been doing that. Well, whether or not it was mystical spirits, but Bond was a patent attorney himself. He may have just known the man's name, but it's unclear. We don't know. But it, said, it does say on February the 10th in 1891, there was a white-faced and visibly shaken patent officer. So that, whether or not it was someone moving the board, it scared the shit out of the patent officer and he, he put it through. And, and that was that. It's registered as a toy or a game and the Ouija board was born to the world, essentially. Um, but interestingly, considering what everyone, or if you're listening to this now, hopefully we've filled you in a little bit as to the proposed way in which a Ouija board works. But originally there were no instructions. It was just a board, a planchette, nothing and you know it's pretty frustrating guys normally it's when you ever you go into a charity shop that the instructions are missing for how to play a board game or there are bits missing but yeah there was absolutely no way of knowing what you were supposed to do with a ouija board how, how would you like i'm just obviously it's hard to imagine now because it's so iconic in sort of the paranormal but if you just suddenly had a board with letters in front of you just what would you think well Maybe it was because you said they advertised it in the paper. Mm. Maybe the paper had said something about how to use it. Very true. Yes, actually. And I would imagine back then, papers were probably more widely read than mm. they are today. So mm-hmm. people would have maybe gathered the knowledge from there. Because if you're just given a board, I don't know. I probably wouldn't think to put my fingers on it. Yeah. I'd probably just, I don't know, put it down and expect it to just start moving. All, all on its own. <sighs> <laughs> And as I said before, the men saw this as a moneymaker, and it was. Went from having just one factory in Baltimore, then two, two in New York, Chicago, London itself. Now, interestingly, by this time, most of the men who were originally involved had moved on, they'd sold their shares, and a man named William Fold, who was basically just an employee and a, a stockholder in the company, he was now running the company, and he died in 1927 after a freak fall from the roof of his new factory, which the Ouija board had told him to build. Told him to build the new factory? Mm-hmm. What's your reaction to that? Well, did, did he, uh, was he like, hey, Ouija board, should I build a new factory? Well, he's going off the basis that they asked the Ouija board what its name was. But why did he ask it if he should... <laughs> Did, did he specifically go, like, should I build a new factory? And well, the Ouija board was like, yes. But no, but where specifically, I think, maybe is the thing. Did the Ouija board, or what, did a malevolent spirit deliberately tell him where to build it, knowing with fate that he was going to fall off that very same building? He'd probably just driven himself so crazy, thinking about spirits all the time, that he thought, I'm just going to end it all. Mm, possibly. <laughs> I mean, that is one thing that I don't think I've covered too much in this, but just general state of mental health could obviously have a huge bearing on how much people are willing to invest in the credibility of a Ouija board. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at with it, because as much I'm sitting here saying, well, no, someone was just moving it. or But I'm still like, yeah, I'm not risking having that in Mm. my flat. Because I am the kind of person that will Mm. overthink it and overthink it and be like, oh my God, there's spirits here. Well, in a similar vein, in another episode, I know, this is our first episode, guys. I'm giving you a 
a preview of forthcoming attractions, shall we say. It's a similar thing with the legend of Bloody, Mur- Bloody Mary. Bloody Murphy. Bloody Murphy. <laughs> Bloody Murphy. Um, with Bloody Mary. I, I would never say it three times in a mirror. I don't think I would either. No, but and it's ridiculous because, you know, rational thought should tell us that nothing's going to happen, but you don't want to take that risk. Maybe we should try it on the podcast. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but you would try a Ouija board on the podcast? Yes, I would. We're not going to, by the way. No, we're absolutely not going to. I've told Ollie if he must, he has to go outside at least two metres away because that stops anything um, (laughs) and do it topical (laughs) outside by himself Mm -hmm. take the microphone and the laptop with you it's not coming in so if I wear a face mask I'll be alright won't I yeah I don't think spirits can possess you as long as you're wearing a face mask that's good good to know get some hand sanitizer as well and you'll be good (laughs) oh dear Um, Possibly one of the main reasons why the Ouija board has its legacy that it does is because it tends to find its greatest popularity in times of, shall we say, great upheaval, where people are looking for answers or contact with anyone. For example, during the Great Depression, a time where people just didn't have money, they they had to open new factories to supply demand. A new York department store sold 50,000 of them, mm. fifty thousand people owned a Ouija board wow. in America, 50, and just in, New- just in New York as well. Then in 1967, there was the Parker Brothers who bought the game from the Fold Company. Two million balls were sold, which outsold Monopoly. But and to be fair, what do you think could do potentially more damage to a family: a, a Ouija board or a Monopoly board? Oh, I was just about to say, I'd rather have a nice fun game of Monopoly in my house than a Ouija board. A fun game of Monopoly? We had a fun game of Monopoly. Oh, no, we didn't. <laughs> but it was interesting in that year, 1967, the fact that it was there were more troops going into Vietnam and a lot of young men losing their lives. Counterculture of Summer of Love in San Francisco, leading on to things like Charles Manson, but... Uh, we won't go there just yet. There were race riots in Newark, Detroit, Minneapolis, Milwaukee. So, you know, it was a time where people were scared and they wanted answers or possibly just to console themselves with the fact that there was something beyond what we know now. And that's something that a lot of religions, I would say, they, they still cling to in a less maybe obvious sense. But I think anyone who claims that they're afraid of dying is a liar because we don't no, and I would even think that... Oh, I hate not knowing things. <laughs> no, but, but, but I, I, I do just think that um, you know, we, we, we don't know. There are people who said, oh, yes, I died and I saw this and et cetera, et cetera, or I've had a vision, et cetera. But we don't know. And some people, they need that comfort blanket of... And I suppose maybe to a sense, that's why I'm into all things dark and disturbing. I, I remember when I was younger being terrified of the thought of dying. Mm-hmm. Like when you discover as a young child that you're not permanent yeah it's quite a impactful moment yeah. well this is why i just joked and said i hate not knowing things because <laughs> if you just sit here now and just okay imagine that you die and just think about the dark and the nothingness stretching on and mm. on and on but you wouldn't even know would you because you're dead no and it's just nothing and it stretches on. how much does that freak you out that freaks me out so much <laughs> You didn't come here for bright levity of sick hand, guys. Although we've not really gone on many tangents yet, so, you know, that's good. 
it's not really a tangent. Death is. Well, death this is going to death, death is going to be linked to everything that we cover in this podcast. Everyone is going to die. You're all going to die. In Subscribe. the next couple of years, <laughs> probably. But the really interesting thing is, obviously, nowadays the connotations of a Ouija board is, like you say, and the thing that puts you off one is that it's something scary. Mm-hmm. But sort of early 1920s, people were using Ouija boards for clues in the mysterious murder of a New York gambler. And much to the frustration of the police. In 1921, New York Times reported a Chicago woman was sent to a psychiatric hospital. She wasn't suffering from mania, but the Ouija spirits had told her to leave her mother's dead body in the living room for 15 days before burying her in the backyard. This is where it starts to tilt into the, oh, maybe it is a bit dark and creepy. I mean, maybe she thought the Ouija board was telling her that. Mm. 1913 newspaper readers, accounts of two women in Buffalo, New York, who'd murdered another woman, supposedly by the encouragement of the Ouija board messages. 1958, Connecticut court decided to not honour the Ouija board will of Miss Helen Dow Peck. She left only $1,000 to two former servants and an insane, wait for this, and this bear in mind this was a lot of money in these days, $152,000 to a Mr. John Gale Forbes, who was a lucky but bodiless spirit who contacted her through the Ouija board. So she left all her money to a ghost. I'm in the wrong career. <laughs> Although, well, it's interesting you say that. As I mentioned earlier, spirit uh, spirit mediums, they hated the Ouija board because it essentially put them out of business. Because mm. if people could buy something that effectively could do what they were doing, but at home, they did, they weren't needed anymore. And as a medium, I can't really imagine what career you might fall back on. So at this point in time, did they see the Ouija board as, like, a positive thing? Like you're contacting people mm. and getting like your lost relatives or whatever mm. rather than... Well, no, they didn't because we've just talked about all those people we, that killed people. We talked about a couple of things that were supposedly inspired by spirits from a Ouija board, yes. But still, it also mentioned the the using it to try and identify the murderer of another man. So it was still relatively... It was more sort of... People getting a cheap thrill in the newspaper going like, oh, goodness, isn't that scary? But I don't think people were necessarily saying, oh, yes, that's definitely what causes people to... Mm. It was more of um, like a a sideshow, something Mm -hmm. to amp up maybe something that wasn't truly impactful. But the thing that did turn it all around was in 1973, and it wasn't actually a, a true incident, but in 1973, and this is where I first came in contact with... The Ouija board, not actually in 1973. I'm not that old, even though I may have lots of grey hair. Because in 1973 was the year The Exorcist was released. Mm. Now, if people were going, oh, you know, that's just the head spinning, crucifix, masturbating, blah, 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 blah. But what a lot of people actually who maybe haven't seen the film don't quite remember is that in the basement, fairly early on in the film, the young girl Reagan played by uh, Linda Blair, she's playing with a Ouija board. And there is a instance, and it's one of the most underrated moments in the whole film, where the Ouija board does move on its own, and she doesn't touch it. But the mum, interestingly, Tess McNeil, she just, she laughs it off. She just thinks it's all a big practical joke. But Reagan talks about talking to someone named Captain Howdy, and they're sharing secrets and things like that. And so the belief is that she's possessed by the demon after playing with the Ouija board, and that just... Boom! Exploded the public terror of Ouija board. So it went from spiritualist tool that can help to talk to dead relatives to instrument of Satan, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah, that obviously inspired loads of horror writers, and it's appeared in, as we've mentioned before, dozens of other films. 
and the Catholic Catholic.com, which is a modern website, they still call the Ouija board far from harmless. I mean, I agree. Mm? Also, that mother was stupid, laughing it off. That's just going to piss the spirits off even more. Well, she, I think she, should we say she learnt the hard way? Yes. <laughs> As anyone who's seen The Exorcist can definitely understand. But I just find it fascinating that a film you know, is something that was true, inspired by a real-life incident, mm-hmm. but there's no mention of the Ouija board being involved in the real-life exorcism incident. I suppose it's easy to believe, though, something that was already used for contacting spirits and is already a bit creepy. Mm. It, to put that then on top of it is just very easy to make people think, oh, yes, yeah, of course it would do that. <laughs> do you think maybe it, as well, because the Vietnam War will have just ended and we at times there were things like the Watergate scandal and cold, threat of nuclear war, Cold War, etc., etc. Do you think maybe just people were just realising that the world was just becoming a scarier place? Like, the spiritualism, they, you know, they, t- they talk of memento mori, you know, and the beautiful death, and actually finding solace in the fact that there's life after death and that there are ghosts, whereas nowadays you say to people, ooh, what would you do if you saw a ghost? People, I'd say a good, maybe eight out of ten people say they'd, they'd run for the hills. Yeah, I mean the world is terrifying. Mm. So, and if anything, it's like it's like your belief when you say that you think that it's just inviting problems mm-hmm. in, and it's interesting that that is your immediate belief. Whereas with the spiritualists, they thought this is how I can, you know, just maybe say a few last words to my dead husband or child or whatever. They're not the same as they were when they were alive. They're dead. You don't need to speak to them. Well, that's, that's an, I think some people, it was just, it was a coping mechanism, you know, just in well, terms yeah, of not being able to let go. But I just think everyone needs to take the Ouija board a bit more seriously. Who knows what happens once they're dead, what they've been through mm-hmm. once they died. You don't know, one, if you're talking to them, mm. two, if they're the same or mm. if they've changed. And you do, people have incidents where they say, oh, well, I asked it a question that only I would know. But it's just like, well, if we're to say that spirits and things they're all around us yeah, constantly probably know everything yeah exactly well, there you go well, i just think if you don't take it seriously it's gonna piss them off even more because they'll be like they're treating this like a game mm. i just think it's not sensible to mess with it <laughs> well sort of bringing it up slightly more to modern times then recent years it's still quite popular driven in part by economic uncertainty and also as a good plot device we watched the film ouija the other day not very good oh i loved it <laughs> Ouija Origin of Evil, the prequel, was a much better film. There's multiple paranormal TV programs, Hot Topic, and so many other things. You can get the Ouija board shape over over everything, pretty much. Like Ouija board pants, Ouija board blankets, things like that. Bra and underwear sets. And also apps. There's several Ouija board apps that people can download these days without the actual benefit of a real Ouija board. Do you think, I mean, if we took it if we just pretend that it is all real for a mm-hmm. moment, mm-hmm. do you think that ghosts in the 21st century are well, evolved enough to use the technology of a Ouija board app? Mm. I would say no. I, mean, I would say that if you're out there and you truly want to try and engage in a Ouija board-based activity, you're better off you know, sticking to the original. But then if someone has died recently and they already knew how to use apps in their alive life... Mm-hmm. Surely they would know in their ghost life. Well, it all just depends on the power of that particular spirit. 
you know, some of them might be able to manipulate technology. That has been established as a thing that some people say is evidence of spirits, but maybe actually they can't, and it's just a fault with your system. Oh, we're already talking about spirits too much. They're going to come in. <laughs> well, I can try and um, let's... So here's a, a few tales of Ouija gone wrong, shall we say. Some that are fairly silly, and we can almost dispel out of hand straight away. Some maybe with a, a tinge of reality but we'll see so some of these come from cosmopolitan the world's preeminent paranormal scholars and the first one i've got to begin with is called c-u-n-t and yes that does spell what you think it spells so about two or three years ago my friend bought their ouija board to my house so we could play with it the first few times it was used i just watched while others of my friends used it then i decided i would join in on it we asked if there was a spirit present and it went to yes we asked it its name, but instead of just going to the letters to spell out, it started going to random letters, not making out any specific word. I asked for its name again, and it spelled out bitch. I started freaking out, and then it spelled cunt. Then we went right back to random letters again. I freaked out and left the room after that. Whatever it was was either just really mean or something other than a spirit. Probably never using one again after that. I mean, I think that person just wanted to be a bit sensationalist and just use some naughty language. I don't know about you. Yeah. So going from a slightly sillier, a sillier one to one that perhaps twinges. Oh no. So this one, Max is always around, and that title just intrigued me straight away. When I was about 14, my best friend had a sleepover party. One thing you'll notice as well is most of these are from young children, and that might also sway people's opinions as mm-hmm. to whether or not a Ouija board is true. And my best friend had a sleepover party. Being the silly little girls we were, we decided to make a Ouija board to use. So they made one. They didn't actually have a proper one. Not really knowing any of the rules, like saying goodbye, after an hour or so, I wandered off to read some tarot cards and watch the rest of The Exorcist. And this is the bit where I'm fumbling a little bit, because it seems all too convenient. I mean, they're practices that I would probably do, but a little kid? Mm, with a couple of the other girls, you didn't want to commune with the spirits, but you're fine watching The Exorcist. Rereading that last sentence, I sound like such a stereotype. I still use tarot cards, even though I never grew out of this phase, it seems. Here's where it got weird. After I left, the spirit talking to my friends changed as it switched to a different spirit altogether. His name was Max and he was looking for me. I've never known a Max in my life. My friends yelled out what he was saying as it moved and I was writing off as then teasing me until he started giving them information about me that no one at the party knew. Things about minor abuse that I was facing and other little things. That freaked me right out. I begged them to stop playing. Even after Max tried to convince me that he was not trying to hurt me. My friends were awesome and stopped playing before I started crying, and I thought that was the end of it. The next time a Ouija board came out was the next year, and only one girl from the original party was among the group. That's quite important. When we were baking a cake, so when the buzzer went off, she and I headed up to take it out of the oven. When we got back to the group, another girl turned to me and asked, Who's Max? Apparently, he'd stuck around after that first time. If my friends want to use a Ouija board, they don't invite me over unless they want to speak to Max. He's always around. A few times in my life, I've heard a voice call out my name. It usually makes me stop for a minute, no more, but at least twice, had I not stopped, I would have been in the path of a car going too fast to stop. It would have hit me. I strongly believe that Max has stuck around to be helpful, but had we not pulled out that Ouija board, I would have never known about him. The last paragraph gave me goosebumps. (laughs) But isn't that proof, though, that it's not necessarily going to be a malevolent spirit all the time? Maybe it's like a guardian angel. Well, yes, but you don't know. No. I mean, that's probably a case of, if it is true, few and far between. I like, those are my favourite kind of ghost stories where it's like them saving people or like a 
relative coming back mm-hmm. and like there's the one I think I've told you it probably multiple times off my favourite murder where the person's like dog and granddad yes appeared to them and they like felt them sat on the bed and could smell the granddad's mints that he always used to have I like stories like that mm-hmm. not the scary ones <laughs> speaking of the scary ones oh I think this one is I think we had like um Ouija light that I d- almost definitely believe isn't true about cunt and bitch being spelled out mm. on a Ouija board. Middle ground with that last one because it was slightly like a nice story. This one, even after everything I've, I'm about to read you and the listeners about how a Ouija board really works, did give me pause for thought. Oh no, okay. okay. So chapter eight, and it's a good title again, Secrets of the Lake. I don't know why I said chapter eight, sorry. This was just number eight in a series of true life Ouija board stories I found. <laughs> when I was little, my mum took out a Ouija board and my brother and I asked if we'd like to play with it. It started out pretty funny. Someone was obviously moving the glass thing, making words like poop and stuff like that. Did I mention we were young enough to, for that to be hilarious? So they're quite young. Again, all of these have been from young people, except for the other one where she was a little bit older when they were making the cake at the party. I'm just saying, if you are if you are a cynical person, that's probably the thing you're clinging on to, that children are very impressionable. Or dumb teenagers. I'm 29 and poop is still <laughs> funny, I'd just like to point out. But then my mum said, let's get serious and try to contact someone. Here is where it gets weird. No. A friend of hers had recently gone missing. He'd been missing for a month or so and nobody knew where he was. When we asked who was talking to, his name was spelled out. Let's just say it was George, since I genuinely don't remember. When we asked George if he was my mum's friend, he said yes. My mum got visibly upset and asked where he was. In a lake was spelled out. It was extremely upsetting and we stopped immediately. Mum had tried to be light-hearted about it and since I was young I believed that it was no big deal as well following her lead. About two weeks later they found George's body. He'd been hit by some car or train or something on a bridge and his body fell into the nearby lake, though it was more like a very large pond. It was reasonably remote place, so nobody had found it for a while. Mm. How do you feel about that one? And it, it does sound almost a bit like sort of a slightly thriller-based, scary murder mystery story than is in that's how they found the body. But That's not scary to me, though. That's just George being like... I need someone to find my body because I can't rest. So, but there you're fully accepting that a spirit contacted them. Yeah. Well, I said to you at the beginning, I believe it. <laughs> Completely, like nothing I've said so far has made you doubt the existence. That it genuinely is spirits doing it rather than someone moving the board. I think a lot of stuff like the the one where it spelled out rude words, mm-hmm. that's probably just the kids spelling out words mm-hmm. because, you know. <sighs> yeah. Okay, I think well, I've just heard enough weird stories. Mm. To be fair, I think I'm more inclined to believe those slightly weird, like, contacting, asking to help or to help someone else than yeah. to believe the, like, full-on demonic possession and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Sure. We'll finish with a, a light-hearted one because, honestly, this one just made me laugh because it's so obviously fake. This happened when I was in the US, USMC, which I believe is the University of Southern Michigan, potentially, I'm not sure, in 1991. Freaked me out. I was living in a four-man room, which sounds awful, sitting reading a book while my two friends were using a Ouija board. One of them had set up an old cassette Walkman with speakers plugged into the headphone jack. The Phil... <laughs> this is where it gets funny. The, the Phil Collins song, I Can Feel It Coming In The Air Tonight, was playing. They had been conversing with a benign spirit when it suddenly spelled out, Demon Is Coming. <laughs> Immediately, as it hit the G song, 
<laughs> the song slowed down and slowed until it stopped, which sounded like the devil incarnate. I leapt up and said, fuck this, I'm leaving, and took off. It freaks me out to this day, even though I'm pretty sure the batteries just died at the perfect time. I mean, Phil Collins is a pretty horrible demonic person at the best of time. Oh my god. <laughs> just, I can be let coming in tonight. That would freak me out too, though, I've realised. All right, then. So you have heard the history of the Ouija board. You have heard some stories, true or not. We're not coming down on one side of the argument or the other at this point. But now here comes the the science bit, as in how people say that Ouija boards really work. And unfortunately, to ruin people's fun, or maybe to console them a little bit, scientists have said that it's not controlled by spirits or demons, but they can actually do something useful. They're powered by us. Even when we're saying we're not doing it, Ouija boards work on a, a principle known as the ideometer effect, which was in 1852, a physician and psychologist, Benjamin, sorry, William Benjamin Carpenter, he published a report. Benjamin. Benjamin, yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Um, published a report through the Royal Institution of Great Britain where he examined the automatic muscular movements that can take place without conscious will or violation of the individual. And the example that he or that the article gives is that crying in a sad film, you don't sit there and consciously go, I'm going to cry now. Or sneezing. But you don't, yeah, or you don't do that in life anyway, do you? If someone upsets you, you're not like, mm. I'm going to cry now. You're mm. crying just because you're upset. But they're saying that this, it's involuntary muscle action is the whole basis of the ideometer effect. And people saw how this could actually be linked to spiritualist pastimes. And another doctor called Chris French, who is a professor of psychology and animalistic psychology, as in anomalistic, beg your pardon, psychology at Goldsmiths University in London has said, with Ouija boards, you have the whole social context. People know what a Ouija board is and the sort of the, the history that goes behind it. It's usually a group of people and everyone has a slight influence because you, anytime people are using Ouija board, you will have a mix of people who think it's real and they want something to happen and you'll have people who are completely cynical and will probably be trying to resist that they want something to happen you probably also have people that think that it's real and want nothing to happen mm. and and as um dr french goes on he says with ouija not only does the individual give up some conscious control to participate so it can't be me but in the group no one can take credits for its movement without making it seem like the answers must be coming from another worldly source so in most situations, there's just an expectation or a suggestion that something mystical is going to happen. It is a little bit like if, say, you did go to a graveyard in the middle of the night on your own with nothing but a torch. Most people, there would be the expectation because of dead people everywhere and because of influence by films and folklore and all things like that, you would be expecting something to happen. I, it's interesting because what they're saying is no one could potentially realistically sit in front of a Ouija board and use it without the even the tiniest shred of doubt that something could happen. It's just how our brains work, isn't mm. it? When you mm. put yourself into that situation, I mean, even taking it to something as simple as living alone. Yeah. When you live alone, every small noise that you hear is like someone breaking in or is a ghost or mm. something. Yeah. But if you live with someone else, you hear a small noise, you're just like, meh. Yeah, absolutely. It's usually um, it's usually pumpkin in our case. It's not a small noise, is it? No, true. <laughs> and people have gone further into this study. Uh, researchers at the University of British Columbia in their visual cognition lab, uh, they've determined that the ideometer effect is closely linked to subconscious awareness and the effect is maximised 
when the subject believes they have no control of its movement. So in a weird sort of paradox, the less control you think you have, the more control your subconscious Ooh. mind actually has. So yeah, it's almost like you're giving up, but actually you're accessing a part of your brain that normally you wouldn't get to access. And oh, this Ouija, is so interesting. And a Ouija board gives you that ability to do that. And people are saying that this could potentially be linked to finding ways of coping with things like Alzheimer's mm-hmm. because that would help them access a part of their brain. Some people have disputed that though at the same time but um so it's kind of like similar like a similar place your brain would go to if you were hypnotized or something like yeah that. absolutely mm. they they did various tests one of which involved when they were asked a series of questions verbally to guess the answers to the best of their ability and they were right only about 50 percent of the time but when they answered using the board believing the answers were coming from something else they answered correctly with up to 65 percent of the time so it's not a huge difference, but there was an increase mm-hmm. in getting the answer right when they thought something else was controlling them and giving them the answer. Mm. So it basically, it proves the Ouija board only works when participants are manipulating the board themselves. If it was really in the room, the spirit would be able to spell out things properly. A lot of the times when they did these tests, they were blindfolded. And while they thought they were being guided to words, they were just spelling gibberish. Mm-hmm. So again, further proof that it's someone's visual contact and their subconscious working that makes them think that they're spelling out these mm. words and the planchette it's the, the design is perfect lots of people can touch it it glides very easily across a board um, sometimes they even sort of have wheels or sort of smoother edges that help it glide even better and it's what and your subconscious is physically and some people this might be the only thing that genuinely freaks people out is that you have no control over this it's your subconscious but you are the one who is moving it but it's your subconscious that's telling you to do it. You have no control over it because you have the belief in your head that something is controlling you to do it. So, but basically, one of the key things that it, one of the key things that heightens the ideometer, uh, sorry, ideometer phenomenon is that we want to believe. So, basically, we want to believe in ghosts and spirits and other improbabilities. Like I was saying earlier, people, the reason why it has the legacy it did was because of just how popular it was in the spiritualist movement. People need that hope that maybe once all this is over, there's something else to come afterwards. And the Ouija boards, we believe because of what we've been told and different experiences that people have had, maybe some people even we know say that they've had a Ouija board, um, that they're bringing something to it. And um, But the, the benefit that a Ouija board can do is that it is, in a way, contacting the other side of something, but it's not quite what you believe, or maybe some people want to believe it is. It's allowing a part of your brain to just break free and communicate, which sure otherwise it wouldn't be able to. <laughs> Far too scary to be talking about that on this Sorry. So, come to the end now, and with, with things like this, I'm going to be posing questions to my guests about whether or not they believe in it or not. So I would say, Emmy, is it Ouija, is it a spiritual tool or are you a gullible fool for believing it? Based on all that science, mm. would you say that you are still just as convinced that Ouija boards are powered by, powered by the supernatural or how would you react? I think I believe the psychological side of it. Mm-hmm. That definitely makes a lot more sense to me. But then I am the kind of person that likes that explanation Mm. and likes understanding how things work and that makes so much sense to me i literally said about that earlier on didn't i I was like maybe they're not aware that they're doing it Mm. so i think yeah i think i i fall on that side of things 
Hmm. I was... It's a tough one for me because I would confess I was a full-blown, yeah, it's done by spirits. That's what makes it cool and interesting, and that's why I wanted to talk about it. But that that science is it's pretty hard to to combat with any other explanation, I would say. Mm. But I but again, I'm still sitting on the fence about it. I think it could potentially be a mixture of two things. Yeah. I still would not be like let's have one in the flat because who <laughs> knows? I mean, how how did they know George was in the lake? Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'm not so convinced. Well, I think that's the final question I want to ask you as well. Um, are you more, are you less scared of them now or are you still about the same? Maybe less. But you would still resolutely not ever want to touch one, ever want one in the house, ever. It's made me a bit more intrigued. Mm-hmm. I would not do one in the house mm-hmm. because I would not want to invite that in here. But maybe in the right setting, far, far away from our home. <laughs> I'm just curious because with the science as well, I think it's that's that's made me want to kind of maybe try it Ooh, a little bit. Okay. Because it, that's, I that's I genuinely didn't think I was going to get that reaction from you by the end of this podcast. That's what's so interesting to me, though, is the science bit of it. Mm-hmm. Like that, I would want to see what people's would like self-consciously come up with but then also with there being a chance that you could be talking to a terrible spirit that Mm -hmm. makes me want to be like no no thanks great right if you have been thank you so much for listening to this first episode usually these hashtags never work with sitcan but i'm going to try it anyway on twitter you can find us at at dark and distasteful hashtag we ja or we nah well and maybe give a little explanation has anything in this podcast changed your mind are you still a cynical person that you think that they're definitely not controlled by demons were you um, originally someone who believed that it was all spiritual but now maybe the science has made you question it or do you just maintain the same belief that you've had before on facebook it will be at sorry facebook will be all things dark and distasteful and also you can listen to us when this all eventually comes out on soundcloud spotify TuneIn radio stitcher and apple podcasts uh, thank you so much once again to turbo soul for abyss all of his music you can find on SoundCloud. If you just go to SoundCloud and type in TurboSol, that's T-U-R-B-O, capital S-O-L. And also thank you for Katrina Hajawicz for doing our brilliant artwork for this episode. And Emmy, thank you so much for joining me on this very first episode. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And uh, tune in next time where I'm going to be with Eddie and we're going to be exploring something a little bit more, shall we say, polite term, close to home. Uh, but until then... Farewell and sweet dreams.